Hey everyone, welcome back for another great episode of The Next Stage. It's going to be another exciting episode. This week we had on Mr. John Murphy. John Murphy is out of Asheville, North Carolina. And John is a longtime American pro who just retired this year. He's raced for all the top American teams. Now John has stepped out doing something even cooler. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. We talk a lot about past racing, how he got into the sport. We talk about his up, what he's doing now, his next stage. What he talked about is Belgian Waffle training camp. So go check this episode out. It's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you guys all enjoy. Have a good one. Hey, John. What, what's happening, TJ? How's it going? Dude, it's great to hear from you, man. How you been? You too. Doing really good here. Just, uh, you know, selling wheels and riding bikes and living that family life. How about you? Yeah, yeah, man. It's been awesome. It's been, I was really so stoked that you hit me up to do the podcast. I haven't done a podcast for a minute. I've been just super busy uh, doing a lot of artwork, you know, getting on top of that and then trying to train. You know, I love you know, even though I don't like target racing anymore, I still love being fit. You know, I'm sure you know exactly that. You and Allie are like one of the fittest couples I know, you know. And so I feel like just being fit and healthy is really rad. And then so just kind of juggling all that with like, you know, as well, like family life, juggling that with being a dad and figuring out time to ride, kind of get your time of meditation in, get your family's time of meditation in, you know, and all the above kind of. And so it's just about kind of finding all that. But it's been super fun. Like I said, super excited you asked me to do a podcast because I haven't done one since I did it with uh, Tyler and we did uh, Sky Schneider and they've been tearing it up uh, with Legion uh but yeah i just have been busy with doing a lot of painting and so uh but yeah this is gonna be fun dude yeah i appreciate you having me on and uh yeah legion has been kind of kind of crushing it out there so I'm yeah sure dude. good stuff to talk about yeah we got our boy ty killing it killing it man quarterback killing it. coming brett Favre. brett Favre in it right now <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's awesome to see him uh, thriving with uh, with those guys. I mean, you knew they were already, but once they when they hired Ty, it was like, oh man, yeah, it's dude, be it was unstoppable. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I mean, especially to see him do so well and how well they did at Tulsa. Uh, I guess. I mean, I mean, we should tell everyone kind of how you. We all know each other and know Ty, I guess, and racing and you know. But like what you said, you're up to, you know, building, doing, selling wheels now and, you know, riding bikes. But before you race professionally for how long did you race professionally? Oh, yeah. I guess I should give a little background because your listeners yeah. don't, aren't just in our conversation. <laughs> or they are, yeah. but they should know. Um, <laughs> I raced professionally uh, for like 15 years, give or take. Um, officially, I guess 2007 was my first year professional with HealthNet uh, presented by Maxis. Uh, raced for them for a few years, and then I raced for BMC, um, and then I came back to the U.S. and raced on the U.S. scene. Um, I kind of bounced back and forth between the U.S. domestic scene and Europe 
a lot. I kind of dipped my toes into doing a lot of crits in the U.S. where I kind of, that's how I got my first kind of, um, most of my wins in the beginning were in crits. And then I started to push more into stage races and ultimately trying to, to uh, go after the classics in Europe. So on a, yeah, on a racing on a racing side, I I covered a lot of bases. Um, some years I would do crits and and classics in the same year. So um, I had definitely had a unique experience, and it was it was pretty awesome. So I did that. For, I was a pro from 2007, and then I officially retired um, at the end of 2020. Uh, just for so many so many reasons, you know. Like I'm oh, lucky yeah. to I was lucky to get to choose and be like, yeah, you know what. I'm ready to kind of, you know, take the experiences and the amazing life that cycling has blessed me with. And, you know, I got two kids and I got two, I have a 16 month old girl and a almost five year old boy. So Allie and I, Allie's my wife. Allie and I are, uh, we have our hands full now. So, <laughs> you know, there's plenty to do at home and spending a uh, hundred to 150 days in the road. Um, you know, just it doesn't it doesn't it loses uh, its attraction after yeah. you have that reason to kind of stay home. I mean, when you're single and like it's all fun and games being out on the road, but when you're not single and you have a family, you're like, wow. I, I mean, like I always loved, you know, me and you would always say like it, it kind of helped you give you more purpose and reason to be out when you were out racing, rather than, you know, like okay, if I'm going to be out traveling away from the love my loved ones, then better make it worthwhile yeah if i'm gonna like that was my mentality the last few years um you know when liam was very young my boy is if i'm gonna be spending my home and family then i'd like we better be winning you know i I, i'm only racing to win like i wanted i was really driven to win like so it made this it made the stakes higher for me that you know a week on the road, two weeks on the road, however many race days uh, we were doing, it was we were always working to be winning. And you know that. I mean, we won a lot of races together. So, um, yeah, man. You, I mean, you were a part of so many, I feel like, iconic teams or situations. I mean, you were part of uh, BMC during their like building years in Europe, those kind of first few years trying to figure, figure it all out. You did the Giro. Uh, you uh, you were in the breakaway. I mean, well, you weren't in the breakaway with BMC at Perry Roubaix, but you've done Perry Roubaix. What? How many times have you done Perry Roubaix? A handful. I, I did the pro race four times and the under twenty three race three times. Yeah, and we, what you forgot to talk about too is your mountain biking career prior, because That's you true. were racing. I mean, with like Sam Schultz, all of those legends as well during the junior days racing mountain biking yeah when i was uh so i started racing bikes when i was 12 years old um and uh, same time as that same time as me in 97 and uh i i was a mountain biker um i grew up in uh in marietta georgia and we had good good mountain bike trails right outside of my neighborhood where i grew up good set of friends that all wanted to ride mountain bikes too and Believe it or not, we had a bunch of good races in Georgia. Um, the Georgia uh, was the Gap Series. Um, Georgia area promotions. I don't even I don't even remember what it stood for. But we had a lot of good races, and 
Uh, so I raced as a junior um, on the mountain bike until I was 18. And uh, I had good success. I loved it. I was I, I could win races. Um, I won a lot. There weren't a ton, it wasn't a ton of competition. You know, it wasn't like it was super stacked. I got kind of addicted to winning, uh, that thrill of winning and the adrenaline of like hoping to win and, um, you know, pacing and planning and fueling. And I kind of got really, really attached to, uh, to that competition. Uh, unfortunately when I was 18, not unfortunately, but I kind of see it as unfortunately because I couldn't find any sponsorship on the mountain bike side to continue racing. Like they didn't support me obviously because I didn't have a job really. Um, they told me I had to, you know, I was an adult now, so I needed to pay my own way, which I totally respected and understood. Yeah. Like, that's perfectly reasonable. And I felt like I was good enough. I had, I had given me enough of a runway that, yeah, like, you know, I had won Sea Otter as a junior, um, wow. tons Dang. of, tons of regional races as a junior. And, you know, I had placed in some of the, uh, national level Norbas, uh, NCS as they were back then fairly well enough to where I thought I could at least get support. Um, but no, I couldn't, I couldn't find a team anywhere in the Southeast that could like, you know, uh, supply like equipment or pay travel. I mean, that's, Dang. I got, I, you, I, how, how were you, how were you reaching out at the, I mean, that's, I mean, that's what we're doing now, you know, or for me at least. And a lot of people were reaching out to sponsors and, you know, but it's very accessible and easy with social media. How were you doing that back then? Like, well, we just walk up to anybody. I mean, what we were we email? What were we doing? Now, this is two thousand two, two thousand three, um, when I winded up transitioning from mountain to road, and I want to say I was emailing a resume, like a word document or a like a spreadsheet resume. My dad was always really good with computers, so I always had a resume ready to ready to send or, or print out. I don't think we were mailing resumes to companies or to sponsors. I think it was mostly word of mouth. So mostly yeah. it was I would be talking to older teammates or older friends that I was racing against and trying to like, you know, you know I had been racing for long enough that teams, mountain bike teams and, and older riders who had relationships with sponsors and stuff, knew who I knew who I was, but they, you know, nobody was able, all the spots were full. It was, it was a tough market. Yeah. You, know? you always hear that in pro cycling. You always hear it's a tough market. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Literally since I feel like I started racing, that's all you'd hear from every year. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. The market, it's a, uh, it's a tough year. You're like, you said that for the last five years. What are you talking yeah. about? It's a tough every, year. Every year of my career was a tough market. <laughs> Every year um, since cycling's been created has been a tough market. It's, it's tough just been market. going into debt ever since it started. <laughs> Literally, all those sponsors who invested over all those years, and it's just accumulated to just billions of dollars of debt. But but it's still so it still happened though. Like you know, I still I, eventually um, I felt like it was at the eleventh hour. I was Bob Cagle, who was a, a, a local legend when I was racing mountain bikes in Georgia. And we just trained like as if we had support and sponsors all winter. And I think it was probably December or something, or maybe even January when uh, Crystal's uh, Chattanooga team, um, like the small hot square burgers, 
they had a they reached out through my coach who was also racing for that team. Um, he had been trying to get me on that team because they had a mountain bike team and a road team. He had been trying to get me on the mountain bike team, um, but they were full. I mean, that's how it goes when you're full. You can't just you know, yeah. When you, you have a limit like, of bikes and equipment, yeah. it, that's all you have. And there are you know when they're full, that means they're already over the limit, right? So yeah, yeah. They, they, he ended up reaching out my coach who was Josh Selden at the time and saying, Hey, you know, um, Crystal's got a spot open. You're not going to believe this. Like, this is, this is the most ideal situation for you. I'm like, that's amazing. Okay. How do I sign up? He's like, well, there's a catch. <laughs> you, they want you to race on the road. And I was like, okay, great. They, can I, do they have a bike? Cause I had like a, a crappy bike I was training on. Uh, it wasn't crappy. It was fine, but it wasn't like a race bike. You know, it wasn't, yeah. <clears throat> Win something you would like think you could go win, you know, a real race on, yeah. but perfectly fine for training. And I'd been riding on the trainer a bunch, so it was it was kind of good. It was used when I got it, you know, that kind of that kind of thing. It was mm-hmm. it was a it was kind of a beater. I think it was a a GT actually. Ooh, um, nice. It was it was sturdy. It was it was it was good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then so yeah, they got me a bike and clothes and and travel and um, we did a bunch of cool races. Uh, I think the biggest impact race I, <clears throat> race I did that year was Tour of Ohio, um, and that went really well. Uh, I won a stage there and then kind of got uh, a like I was friends with Saul Raisin from the mountain bike side. And oh, my racing. gosh. No way. Was, That's crazy. Yeah. I know Saul. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, and he's awesome. And That's he helped me out. That's a small he, world. He helped me out in a huge way. He put in a, big, a good word for me with the national team. <clears throat> so by the end of – so that was 2003, I believe. 2004, I had a, an invite to go over to race in And my parents were what? like, yeah, if you can go race in Europe, like, go do it. So then I just sharpened my, my road racing teeth over there um, in Belgium, which was kind of crazy because. <laughs> That's awesome. What age I, I were you at? What, what age were you at that time? I was 19. 19? Racing age 20 at that point. Yeah. So. I had a couple of years to, to kind of really try to see if I could, you know, get over there. And <clears throat> I don't know if I, I don't know how I proved my worth, but probably at Roubaix, I finished Roubaix. And I think Noel was like, oh, if you can finish Roubaix, then you've got an engine. Let's see if we can do something with you. So then, uh, yeah, I raced over, I, raced, I did all my under 23 years with the national team. And then, um, so. Just in him. Yep. Yep. And is Um, that's why I say technically I turned pro in 2007 because that was when I turned 23. So I wasn't under 23 anymore. And Noel was always pushing us to not sign continental or pro contracts because we could do more races in Europe. So when I was like, it was 2005, I was racing full time with the national team. That was, I mean, I was, I was training like a pro acting like a pro trying to, I mean, if you want to race in Europe, you better be acting like a pro. Yeah, so, you got to take it serious. So I did those two years, which I, you know, there was no pro contract, but, um, yeah, it was it was full on. And full then, gas. And then, like, then when I finally got aged out of that program, that's when I went to HealthNet and kind of pro career, so to speak, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's. I mean, to jump over to Europe and especially Isaham as a young guy and it's, it's always a big jump and a big leap. How did you feel like you 
like obviously you absorbed it really well you loved it like you love the classics that was your kind of style of racing that you wanted to kind of gear towards so you how did you like it i mean how'd you like europe how do you feel like you adapted over there i'm pretty hard at it didn't you live over there at one point i feel like yeah we i mean you know with the national team we stayed at at their house and then um after a few years off of racing in europe and i was racing on health net for seven oh seven oh eight and then what was ouch in oh nine um then like when I moved to, I started three years domestically and I was racing with, uh, Tim Johnson, Carl Menzies, um, um some pretty yeah. awesome, uh, mentors and they kind of, was they that the helped, official, they helped like, me blue train? Was that the blue train? No, at that point it was, uh, it was mostly green. So it wasn't UHC yet. It was still the same management company. It was momentum sports, but it wasn't, it wasn't the blue train yet. Dang. That had Tim no. Johnson. And Carl Menzies, and who else did you say? It kind of broke up there. Uh, we had the, those, those are the guys that I was closest to with was like Roy, Roy Sutherland, Tim Johnson, Carl Menzies. Um, that year we had Frank Pip, we had uh, Ryder Hegedal, we had Dang. Roman Killen, we had um, Russell Downing, we had uh, whoa, of, uh, Kyle Gritters. We had a lot of it was a stout team, it was like the best team. So it was, that's crazy. It was oh my gosh. Awesome. I mean, Ryder Hazel, I mean, so many of those riders, uh, Russell Downing went on to race for Sky, tons of riders, Rory Sutherland, still, is he still racing? Oh. He just retired as well. Just retired, but was at the yeah. top level for years. That's, mm-hmm. what a team. So what age, that was your, What was that your third that team? 23, yeah, yep. That was right. basically my first, first year's pro. And they were that great influences awesome. on me. Yeah, was they were, it? They were like they, you know, basically showed me the balance of, you know, racing to win, but then also like not being crazy uptight and like you know starving yourself. So it was it was a good like much like I said I was maturing as a racer with them because, and the national team, you know how it goes. Like everybody's trying to lose weight and everybody's insecure and. It's, Nobody uh, really knows what they're doing, and everyone thinks they do, but they're like, it's just a weird environment. Yeah, um, it's a, it's either going to be you or me situation, or you know, yeah. like going to be who's going to be hired, or who's going to be the GC guy, who's climbing better, who's riding better, and it's like you're supposedly teammates, but yet the atmosphere is always way more uptight for sure. Massive, like there's always a hierarchy, you know. It's like who fin- who's the who's the the first one to get dropped, who doesn't, you know, who finishes, who's actually performing. Um, yeah. And I was over there with Tyler Farrar because we were the same age and he was actually winning races. So that was crazy. Dang. Um, that was a fun experience. Uh, and that, uh, that was on the U23 team with him? Yep. Mm-hmm. For one year and then he moved to Cofidis before he, even, before he was even out of S Bar. So, wow. Um, That's but we crazy. were, we were good friends. He was, he was one of those guys that I always admired because he had, he was such a talent, but he had so much balance he wasn't one of those like he didn't make himself miserable in the sport he seemed to always be happy and enjoy it which i know you understand what i'm talking about man i mean he gets i feel like better than anyone i mean he doesn't have a social media is now a firefighter like just chills like it sounds like a great you know like he just had it figured out i always loved hearing kind of things you would talk about him and just learning from that because 
mean, the more, like you said, the more people you can learn from who maybe excelled a little bit better in something you want to excel in, then that's awesome opportunity to learn from, you know? What was, uh, what was maybe the great, like something you really picked up, not just from Tyler, but I mean, you just named off such an incredible, you know, list of teammates. Uh, and I'm sure you've had so many other great teammates, but, uh, like what's something, I mean, I don't know, everyone who's listening can, or even young riders listening can take away and, you know, learn that from this conversation rather than a few years down the road. Yeah. You know, everybody's quick to give you advice when you're young. Right. And what I really, really admired about the teammates that I mentioned is that nobody, nobody was like, John, you need to do this, John, you These teammates that treated me as an equal and they respected me as a racer. And we would just have conversations about like, you know, pacing or sprinting or positioning and, and nobody, none of those guys ever pretended to be like the know-it-all expert, like, you know, guru. They were all, all my teammates were, would just, we were in it together and helping each other out. And, um, you know, I, not, and I guess the biggest thing I, I learned from them, not from their words, but from their actions was just not to fight your body and not try to like make yourself into a climber or make yourself into a time trialist. If you it's not go, if you're not like, you know, suited for it, like find out what you're good at and be very, very good at it and specialize. And, you know, doing was not trying to be some stage racer, you know, GC rider, which would have been crazy with my build since I'm 180, 180 yeah. to 185 pounds. And I was yeah. like really focused on being a, a time trialist too. when I was younger, which was kind of silly. Um, and then just focus on becoming a sprinter, which was ultimately where, you know, you shined what I had to do to get. Yeah. So it was just that, that, that kind of um, just ease, ease of mind where you're not trying to fit yourself, you know, just not fighting it. Yeah. Finding it. I mean, that's advice anyone can always take from is, you know, find, like you said, the best, like find what you're good at, <clears throat> get really, really good at it. And good things will happen from it, you know? Like, I, I just, I think a lot of people expect that fast reward and that fast, you know, like, oh, I want to do this. I want to be a pro. But they don't realize, oh, you have to put in all those hours. You have to do all this, you know? And you do that because you found what you're good at, you know? And you're able to then put in those hours and then you're able to shine. Yeah, I mean, you have to want it because it's, <laughs> it doesn't come easy and you you always get you don't you don't get paid what you're worth you get paid what you're worth like years later so mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not mm -hmm. a it's not like um it's not straightforward so it's it's a fun sport because you never know what's going to happen but you know a lot of times you have to like you have to deal with a lot of adversity out there <laughs> yeah dang man well that's i mean you've raced yeah for so many great teams uh we had the awesome time of being teammates in 2017 and 2018. Like literally, I think a lot of people too can also say it was like, you know, I think some of my best memories for sure on being a team. Uh, and I, that's all due also because from what you learned from past teammates and from past racing. And uh, I was always able, I always love talking to you and be able to share things and learn from you. Like, oh, you know, whether should sign here or here or what should I do here? And 
you always had just advice, you know, uh, that was really awesome. But uh, now that you're done racing with retiring in 20 last, this year, technically, the I, end of, yeah, last year, yeah, this year, this year is yeah. I finished at the end of 2020, even though I didn't really 20, race. Yeah, 2020 was so crazy with the, the coronavirus, but so yeah, you basically then retire, you're freshly off. So then, yep. why don't yep. you tell everyone? I mean, you have already this winner mentality, this out, this you know, killer mentality of, you know, like you just said, find what you're good at and succeed at it. So, what is? I mean, that's kind of why I caught the next stage. What what's this next stage you're up to, man? What are you doing? Yeah, so, you know, 2020, a lot of things came to light of you know what I knew my my career was coming to a close. So. <laughs> The, the classic like what's coming next but I didn't really have like a I'm not gonna say I was you know in turmoil or what am I gonna do it was more of like a, a fun like what do I get to do next you know like how do I get to spend this time like what this is gonna be this is such a cool like I've, I've had this amazing you know cycling this amazing relationship with cycling as a racer and met all these awesome people and learned so many great things now I get to apply it to another um you know, maybe another, like another, another job or another arena. I don't know. I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, I had toyed with multiple ideas. Like I really love carpentry. So I was, uh, becoming a, a carpenter or a general contractor was like, that's, was a big, I really thought that was going to be something that, you know, I really wanted to pursue and, you know, you never know. I still may, I still love all my woodworking tools, but, um, ultimately what I kind of landed on was, uh, Allie, my wife was, um, her company that she works for, she does all the digital marketing, um, social media. What company is that? Koya. So they oh, make, yeah, plant, Koya. Koya makes plant powders. They make like kale, spinach. Um, so good. basically in any, any vegetable, banana, mango, yep. raspberry, citruses, yep. you got your lemons, you got your orange, wait, orange is right. They have. Uh, I don't have think they have dragon, They have dragon, dragon fruit. fruit. They have. It's. It makes it so easy now. to do anything. Like to stay. Like for me, I, I do a green smoothie almost every day, and uh, to just throw the koya in where it's freeze dried, you know, you know it's healthy. It's not taking up every space in your uh, fridge, uh, so it's super nice. And to take it on the go. Me and you used to take koya all the time when we were in Europe just travel with it all the time and then shake it up in bottles that would be given from the team. <laughs> yeah. Traveling is amazing. Cause like last thing you can, you know, you don't really get a lot of greens when you're on the road. So to have something fresh, organic like that, um, the freeze, it was a game changer. So what, so what, especially, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, uh, freeze dried products are, are incredible. They're all single ingredients and, um, you know, they're, they are, uh, they're doing really good. And so like, not to do to be too shameless of plugging Koya, but, um, they, what Ali does for them is the, the digital ads and that, that, you know, through COVID, I realized that was going to be, that's a really a strong, uh, <laughs> that is a strong skill to learn. So, um, over the summer last year, I taught myself and through with Ali and through online, online classes, how to, advertise through Facebook and, and Google and, uh, the social media platforms as long as well as search, search ads and stuff. And, um, along with it, learned a lot about search engine optimization and, 
um, you know, how email uh, marketing and blog website, blog content and keywords and just kind of like dive dove into the whole thing. And it just made Jeez, sense to me. It was just a, it was a really crazy, fun like, man. skill to, to develop. And Allie had been telling me she'd been, she'd been doing it for over four years now. And she, every time she learned something new and cool, she's always telling me about it. I think like I'm always just saying, yeah, that makes sense. That makes total sense. Like that makes total complete sense. I, I, that sounds great. Like, wow. I'm so happy you're learning this skill because <laughs> this is not bike racing. This has got a lot more future in it. And so I kind of yeah. decided to, to learn it all too over the summer. I say learn it all, but like learn as much as I can. You can never learn it. All. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, so I did a lot of learning and kind of just um, let's fast forward to January of this year. I was able to, have an amazing opportunity to 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 become a brand manager for Gulo Composites, and Dang. Gulo Gulo makes um, carbon wheels, carbon bike wheels for mountain bike, road bike, and gravel um, here in Brevard, North Carolina. And what's really cool about the wheels that we're making is that we we are manufacturing a carbon composite spoke in house in Brevard, North Carolina, and these spokes. Obviously, our wheels are, are carbon and high-end and super light, but more importantly, they, they just have a totally different ride quality than wow. in any other wheel I've ever ridden. They're just, you know, have you ever gotten on a pair of super light wheels and you go to like kind of stand up and they just, you know, they kind of feel like a wet noodle. It's kind of like sloppy and mm-hmm. not stiff at all, but they're super light. So you'd use them on the climbing stages, right? Yeah. Well, our wheels light as those super light wheels you used to use on those mountain stages except that when you actually stand up and put power down like you get full transfer of power and you accelerate like crazy like they're they're really stiff and they absorb but they still absorb um vibrations from the road so Dang. it's just a very unique ride quality that to me is a game changer if they're so, so cool how did that opportunity arise you just were out cruising around and uh they're like yo come ride our wheels <laughs> you mean yeah it's it's always networking right so um a really good friend of ours uh john Corey, um who we've known for for quite a while and he has a podcast too to john's podcast um oh, sweet he uh he reached out to Allie and i because he knew we were you know uh in kind of the marketing game or he, he knew Allie was and i don't think he knew at the time that i was had been you know, so in deep learning in the field. Yeah. Yeah. So he reached out and uh, told us about the, you know, relatively new company in Brevard and they, they, you know, they were, they wanted to talk with us. And so obviously it was like really, really cool to be thinking about, you know, working for a, you know, a proper wheel company that's just getting off the ground. I think they weren't even that's a year old too. yet. Yeah. And so we took the meeting and, you know, I, I thought maybe I would could help them run some ads and some, do some of their marketing. I didn't know where they were at in terms of, um, you know, their position in the market or how much they, you know, what they. Yeah, basically, after the first meeting, they were like, we, we kind of need to step in here and run, run, run all the sales. And, you know, you can kind of have the have the, uh, have the <laughs> kind of. You know, you'd be, I was, they basically offer you a position of brand manager, which would be like oversee the whole, the whole, the whole, not building the wheels. Um, Yeah. I haven't built a wheel in 15 years, but 
um, I, I basically do everything else. So all relationship stuff with customers and dealers and even manufacturers. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome to go straight into a, a stay in the industry. I didn't really know if I was going to wind up being in the cycling industry. I didn't know if I was going to become a contractor. <clears throat> would have been tough to stay in the cycling industry as a contractor. Um, it, it's cool, though, as you, you know, I, I think as, as well, like throughout my racing career and, as, you know, like you said, it's all who you know and make connections. I always tell young riders never to burn any bridges because you never know who's going to be working where or who with who you know what i mean and it's like it's so rad that you know through a good you know just racing your bike throughout the years you know as long as you were a chill guy and you know have good you're good with connections and good with people and uh i feel like you can kind of reach out or find kind of a job in the industry and it's kind of cool that way where i feel like you can still be a part of the cycling world through that format the strongest thing you can build as a cyclist is a strong network of friends and people who you, who, who trust you and you trust them and you can kind of, you know, always kind of collaborate with and whether it's work together or, or, uh, you know, even just referrals, um, you know, like if you need something, you know, if you need a web developer, like, you, you know, you, who, you know, a guy who, who can do that, or, you know, a guy who, who knows a guy who can do it really well, you know? Um, and so if you can build a, a strong network. I think that's a, a, a critical piece to a successful cycling career was, you know, how many awesome people I actually met and became friends with through cycling um, that have so much more skill out in the real world to, you know, to apply to any business you kind of want to run with. Um, I think that was the biggest thing that looking back, I think that's the most important part of being a bike racer is just making sure you, yeah, like you said, never burn bridges, but also just be open to what people do and, you know, what they know. And everyone's got different experiences and not everyone's a pro bike racer. So that doesn't mean, you know, you can't be close with them or become good friends or you never you never know down the line, like how how much of a vital role they might play in your life. So that's probably yeah. the, back to your earlier question of like, you know, what I learned or what came came from it or what I learned from our, my teammates is more like, you know, what, what I learned through them by being a part of their networks, you know? So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I mean, you're, you're not just, just working for that as well. You're also, because I mean, there's now the BWR that's going to be happening out in Asheville and you're now, you were in charge of what designing the course. Oh yeah. <clears throat> well, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> the last couple, last couple years of my career, um, I was working closely with the, uh, we started in 2000, like fall of 2019, um, with Richard Vernet and Michael Marks and those guys, uh, felt um, with the, with the Belgian waffle ride, they wanted to bring an event to Asheville and they reached out to me to help. Cause I, I always train on, trained on gravel roads. I wasn't racing gravel roads. Uh, I guess I was in Prairie Roubaix, but that's not really gravel. Um, yeah, but you always had 28s or 32s on your road bike. Yeah, you've done some of the roads that I you've done some of my training rides. Like they they all had gravel and dirt, and I was always trying to stay off the main roads for obvious reasons. Um, but you know my 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 roots are on the dirt um, from mountain biking, so I started doing. I mean, I was trying to design the course, and and Matthew Boucher uh, played a large part in designing the course as well. Oh, sweet! Um, 
I got to do a lot of lot of recon on gravel roads and learned a lot more a lot of new gravel roads that I never never knew was never knew were there like near roads that I had been training on for years. Dang, um, you know, I can't I wait. Find, I got to find so much cool stuff, and you know, I just then I basically as soon as they you know brought me in to like help with the course design, I didn't really ride a ton of road only to get to the gravel, and so I was able to do a ton of good training in the area and while putting together this phenomenal course that's about to happen here in uh, uh in august couple weeks yeah it's coming up so it's coming up fast <laughs> one of the cool uh abilities that i have with gulo is that <clears throat> we uh we were able to come in as a category sponsor for the Asheville bwr so oh, we were sponsoring the event um and i wanted to make i wanted to have a big presence because a lot of people don't know about gulo composites or you know what we do or most people hear about carbon spokes and they, you know, they have a bad taste in their mouth or they think maybe they're not, you know, how they're going to hold up. Um, which luckily we back our wheels up with a lifetime warranty and nice. they hold up under me. So that's a pretty good, uh, yeah. that's a pretty good position for the wheels that, I mean, I've been riding them pretty hard and uh, I don't train as much as I used to, but I still weigh as much as I used to. So <laughs> maybe a little more. Um, so I still try to punish them and, uh, yeah, they, these, I can I'll tell you these, these things hold up. Um, nice. Folks what wheels will you be, be riding then for that, for the BWR event? We'll see. We got a couple new wheels in the pipeline. Um, we're doing, uh, um, we've got, uh, I'm, I'm kind of bringing to market, uh, these two wheels that are 25 mil internal rim width and one's a shallow, like a SL. And then one is a 38 mil slightly deeper, um, and then those are, so those, those are wider. So they support, you know, uh, a wider tire, a bigger tire. So it depends on the bike you're riding, but I'll, I'll be riding most likely, um, our GGA SL, which weighs like 1240 grams because the course Dang. is going to have well over 10,000 feet of climbing. Um, but, oh, so I was going to throw this in too. Climbs. Well, they're punt, there's some punchy climbs and there's some long climbs and it's all on gravel. Do I know any of the long climbs that did we ever do any in training or are they all gravel long climbs? Let me think what you would have I mean, ridden. this is, this would be good. A lot of people who listen, you know, will want to <laughs> know the, the, I can't, I can't divulge the, the, the course yet because if you want to, if you want to know the course ahead of time, you gotta, you have to sign up for our survival camp. Yeah, you got to camp. You got to come do our camp if you want to hear about the course. So the course uh, we'll be reconning the week before the race. So August 16th through the 21st. Nice. So segueing from the sponsorship of the event, Gulo Composites is also going to be hosting along with Source Endurance. Um, Adam Mills uh, is the, is the, that's his coaching company out of California. Yeah. He's going to come in and help with, uh, help supplement the coaching side and the technical side of, of the, uh, of the event. But um, August 16th through the 21st, we're going to be, guiding bringing in industry partners to um show off the newest and latest gravel gear so you can have some options you can test gulo wheels and you know bring bring the nicest wheels you have with you because you're gonna you might you obviously you're gonna bring something good to race on 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 the event on saturday and the main event but uh wheels and you know we can you can see the ride our wheels and see if you like them and see if you notice as big a difference as I noticed. 
Um, but yeah, yeah. so we'll, we'll be hosting the, the camp out of the Canuga Conference Center, which is where I'll be the, there. Can't wait to. Yep, you're coming. You're riding with us. Um, who else? Who else is uh, coming? Who are the other uh, riders that are going to be there? Well, you Another... and you and Andrew are are, are pros nice. that I have signed up now. Nice, um, coming out to to show the. Yeah, a good, you know, a good, uh, a good time, but also teach them how to ride. Not teach them because I think most of these riders come to the event know how to ride gravel, but you know, give them a, give them kind of a. It's pro, always very pros proper, tip. yeah, proper to be out there a few days early, do the survival camp a week early. I mean, yeah. just from my Test your tires, choose the yeah, right tires. Once you see the course, you'll you'll kind of, you might make a different tire selection. Yeah, I mean, knowing okay, I need to move up in this section. I need to be yep. in this position before this section. I mean, yeah. uh, there's multiple events where you know if you just know in a certain place. I mean, like last year, Cedar, uh, Belgium Waffle Ride and Cedar City knowing the final climb and knowing how that single track was like, I was super important. So they're also doing a survival camp. I know for then, yep. uh, so we mm-hmm. sweet that it's really cool that BWR set all these survival camps up so people can sign up and come out early and kind of get a head start on the course. It's super helpful to, to know the course and to, to be able to test the gear, like I said, tires and wheels, but then you can also test tire pressure. You can test, you know, um, you can test your your body and the heat here. You're coming to 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 North Carolina. Yeah, it's in, gonna be hot. Late August. Huh? It's gonna be hot. So if you come in early, what, what temperature spend you spend the week with us, you could start to acclimate to the heat. Um, I mean, it could be nineties. You know, some some of the sections are pretty exposed. So yeah, that humidity you know, too. It, that's it's hot. It can it can be brutal up She'll here. Get you. She'll get so, you. So definitely yeah. being out early is crucial. Yeah, and we're gonna have we're gonna have a lot of fun too. Sierra Nevada's gonna provide beer, and we're gonna be nice. Be, uh, you know, we're gonna have we're gonna have a lot of good times um, along with uh, you know good bike rides and and just being have, having a great time. Um, Dang, I, this is gonna be awesome! I can't I can't wait. I'm really excited. No, I, I'm gonna be doing. Belgium. Well, I have the Crusher coming up this this Saturday, and then I have BWR next Saturday on the 18th in San Diego. And you're going to be out there for that, right? Yeah, I'll be out there. I'm going to uh, I'm going to I'm going to race too. I mean, I'm I'm going to do the ride. I wouldn't call it racing. Um, I mean, I everyone is starting. You never know, though. I mean, it's like anything happens out there, and you're just going out there to just have fun too. You know, that's honestly, it's like I love. It's not like those races sell out because every one of those people believe. Totally. Oh, did I lose you? There you are. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Those races, they don't sell out because every person believes they can go out there and win the race or like, that's their goal. Those races sell out because it, allows people to go somewhere, you know, decompress things with their life, decompress the ride, push themselves, challenge themselves. It's, that's what I love about gravel. It's much bigger than anything about winning a bike race. Yeah. It's cool when, you know, someone comes across the line first for those races, but at the end of the day, it's even cooler when, you know, the final person's coming across those lines. Like it's just cool when each person who comes across, you know, any of those lines, has a cool story to tell about their ride out there you know and it's it's so cool and that's 
what I love about it. And, you know, a lot of people were confused when I was like, I'm not targeting to win a bike race. Like I'm not targeting to do that. Cause like, to me, that wasn't the whole point, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's, you can still do it. You know, you can still go out there and race hard and have the intention to be competitive and everything. But in my eyes, the whole grand scheme of this gravel thing is like, it's, it's healing, you know, and therapeutic. And a lot of people view that view as that. And, uh, it's super cool to see, you know, everyone out there, everyone. I mean, it's not like everyone's wearing a skin suit or arrow bars. Like there's everyone who's, you know, just trying to just enjoy it, you know? So it's super cool. When, and to your point, that's, that's who, that's who the survival camps are for is not necessarily the racer who's trying to win it. Yeah. Um, while they're obviously welcome to come and join, um, the survival camps are for, you know, the guys and girls that are just trying to get, get to the finish line and, have a great time and they really want to be prepared because they're, they're thinking about this for months in advance and, you know, kind of what we do um, and what we're offering with, with our survival camp is easing your mind on at least you can see the course, you can test your, your body and you can kind of, you know, get a feel for, for what, um, on that, for that Saturday event. And, you know, we can, you know, I've got a lot of experience riding gravel You've got a ton of experience riding gravel. We both have a ton of experience racing. So fueling and gear choices and visualization, all that stuff is super important. Um, So it's not that these survival camps are not for, you know, super elite pro athletes. They're for anybody that wants to make their their experience more. Yeah, it's more of an experience. These rides aren't you're not going to sign up for these rides and it's not going to be full gas on the front, you know, like training camps before a big race it's gonna be like you're gonna ride it you're gonna enjoy it you're gonna have a good time you're gonna you know put in the work that you want to put in and uh just at the end of the day enjoy that you rode your bike but yeah look man. look at it this way you, you get to kind of cover you're gonna cover pretty much the entire course but you're not gonna have to do it with like you know everyone two thousand people or however many people are gonna be at the event you can do it with a small you, group and you look and around, you don't have to be suffering. You can enjoy the views. Yeah. There's yep. some crazy views. I know that. Well, uh, this, this course is so beautiful. Like I can't wait just to, to get oh, out there sweet. and do it with the group. And, and you know, these are, these are roads that I've trained on a lot. And I know this, this course, like the back of my hand, um, I'm excited to, to show it to people. And I've, the people that I have shown it to, um, over the last few months and over the last year are just blown away with the, Dude. you know, the terrain and the beauty and it's, you can really enjoy it during the survival camp side. You can really kind of take it all in. And then in the race, you know, you get down to business, which is, you know, for most people survival. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's going to be Dang. excited about it. John, that's so sweet. I also, I, I, I can't wait to get out there. Uh, I mean, that's also home turf kind of to Andrew with Greenville being close. So it'll be a lot of fun to be in that area. I love Asheville so much. Uh, it'll be so much fun to kick it with you and Allie and the whole fam and be cool to see what you're doing with your new wheel company uh, and just go out and enjoy the survival camp. I can't wait. Yeah, we're, we're totally excited. I'm, I'm really uh, glad that you're not only coming to the event, but also coming to the survival camp because you had yeah. such a great energy and, um, I think you, yeah. you know, you, you're high energy, but I think you calm a lot of people because, you know, it's, you're, you're real. You're not like, yeah. 
you're not just trying to like put on a, a fake show. You're like, no, this is, let's just go have fun. And you really enjoy right. it. You're not, you're not too serious. And um, I think you would add, I think you, you'll add a, an amazing element to anybody who, who signs up for the camp. Man, Murph, I appreciate the love. That was super nice of you to say. Well, I mean, do you have anything, you know, we can kind of wrap up here. I think we covered all your bases with, you know, getting the camp, uh, you know, allowing people to hear about how sweet that's going to be, hearing how sick it is that you're working at your new wheel company. Do you have any anything else you'd like to share or how can people follow you or stay up to date or go follow your wheel company or go follow the – or get information on the survival camp? Yeah, we we, uh, we are taking sign-ups now uh, at our website, gulocomposites.com. Um, and there's also a link uh, with, on, with Source Endurance. If you if you look them up on Google, Source Endurance, I think it's source-e.net maybe. Um, or if you go to the Belgian Waffle wa- Waffle Ride website, they've got a link to us as well. Um, you know how it is. You got to have a you got to have as many ways as possible to get get to where you're going. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of ways to find us. Um, so we're in, obviously we're on all the socials at uh, at Google Composites. Um, Excellent. So yeah, I think I'm excited to see you in San Diego. You know, we'll, we'll touch base again there, and yeah, we'll hang out we'll, for maybe sure. Maybe we'll get to, Maybe I can keep up. Probably not. <laughs> that'll be that. That'll be super fun, Murph. I can't wait. It will be a good time. Uh, yeah, man. Anything else you'd like to share before we jet? Hey, I appreciate the time and all your listeners kind of tuning in. And um, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on, TJ. You're always a pleasure. Radical, Murph. Really appreciate it. Lots of love to you and your family, man. And I'm just super stoked with, you know, everything you're accomplishing, you know, continually. And it's really cool to see where you're at. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to link up. It's been way too long. So I'll talk to you later, my man. Yeah, excited to see your next piece, too. So we'll, Yeah, uh, appreciate it, Murph. We'll, we'll catch up here in a week and a half. Yeah, we'll talk to you later, my man. All right, have, have a good one, TJ. Bye. Bye.